Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday. Thank you for joining us. We're rolling right through this week. Another fantastic show uh, planned for you today. Uh, Liz Wheeler, the great Liz Wheeler, is going to join us uh, via Skype. So will Steve Kim. Uh, TJ Moe still in studio with us. Round of applause for uh, TJ Moe. Uh, fantastic show planned for you, as, as I've, I've said. Uh, we're going to start by talking about Lizzo. And <laughs> I, I want to apologize up front for... Uh, Shamika Michelle not being here mm -hmm. with us today. This would have been perfect for Shamika Michelle. She's vacationing with family and friends, and so she's off this week. She would be awesome on this Lizzo topic, uh, but we're going to soldier on without her, and that's why we have Liz Wheeler. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more later in the show with Liz Wheeler about Andrew Tate, but I, I want to start. I have a... a a unscripted fire starter that, that, that I want to start and I want to unpack, TJ. Have you ever seen the show Mad Men? Are you aware of the show Mad Men? I've seen probably a half season. I'm aware of the basic premise. Got you. So Mad Men, Don Draper and uh, Roger Sterling and just, it, it was a show about the 1950s and 60s and this advertising agency uh, that was run by this really talented, or driven by this really talented guy, Don Draper, from a bit of a mysterious background. John Hamm, the actor, played the lead role, and you know he's charismatic, nice-looking guy, had his way with women, and Roger Sterling certainly had his way with women. And, and the show kind of showed you, like, man, men in the 50s and 60s in the workplace they were out of control. They did. Pete Cooper, I think, is his name. Yeah, Pete or no, Pete. I can't remember. Pete Campbell. Uh, Pete was one of the associates with the advertising agency, and he actually raped one of the secretaries, and then he and the secretary became friends, and it, it just showed you how messed up the work environment was. That's why I stopped watching. Yeah, in the it was, it was hard to watch. Yeah, in the 50s and 60s. It was one of my favorite shows, I gotta be honest with you, because it, it, it's poignant, it, it's, it reflects the culture and the time at, at that time. And then a lot of women, Mad Men is the type of show where women will say, look how terrible things were. Oh my God, this is the exploitation that we're old reparations for. Look at how men behaved in the workplace and treated women, blah, blah, blah. And I know I'm a broken record. And, and, and I've told TJ this and I've told everybody this one. What great leaders do, what coaches do, is they find a new way to say the exact same thing over and over and over again. Great preachers. A preacher gives a sermon every Sunday and the real, the point, the, the punchline to the sermon always is, you need Jesus. Again, he may not say it, but that's the overriding message you get from a Christian minister. You need Jesus. And so my overriding message on this show is like, hey, men, we don't owe women an apology. I watched Mad Men. I watched it. I know how bad things were in the 50s and 60s, and maybe even before that, in the 40s. It's not a reflection of 
male or masculinity or toxic masculinity. It's not a reflection of how bad men were. And I get the title of the show, Mad Men. It's a reflection of how power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. And when, Pete, when, when any individual has too much power, they will become exploitive. And that's why, like, moving into my preacher lane or, you know, pretend preacher lane, that's why men and people in power, women, people in power, they need Jesus. They need a biblical understanding of the world that will stop them, prevent them, slow them from exploiting their power. I bring all this up because the story with Lizzo that's making uh, the news yesterday and today, she came into power. And there's a, in the New York Times, there's stories, in MSNBC, there's stories, uh, mad women. That's what the Lizzo story is about. Mad women. Lizzo came into power and brought up some other women that came into power. And if you go read these stories, you're going to read a story about women in power exploiting other women and men. That's what's going on with the Lizzo story. If you haven't followed it, her ex-dancers have sued her for sexual harassment, uh, for a hostile work environment for uh, religious pressure and a, a misuse of uh, religion. They just sued her for everything. I, I was reading uh, these stories and I was like, oh my God, what an, this is the fat, overweight version of Mad Men uh, and it's Mad Women. It's a bunch of overweight, oh, they've, they've sued for uh, racial discrimination. And again, Lizzo's in power and, and they're saying the people that uh, work for Lizzo maintained a racially discriminatory work environment. And their accusation is that the staff talked to the black employees in a disrespectful way that they never talked to the white employees. And based off my reading of the story, th this isn't white staffers talking inappropriately to black subordinates. This is black people in power talking inappropriately to black subordinates and, and, and then turning around and treating white employees in a different manner. This, this is mad women. This is, this, and this is why men do not owe women an apology. It's the power that corrupts, not what's hanging between your legs, not some kind of overrun testosterone or masculinity. It's the power. When people get in power, unchecked power, unchecked by a, a proper oversight, unchecked by no relationship with God and a higher understanding of your role in life, you will become exploitive. And, and that's why m many of the things that we spend all this time talking about racial discrimination and, and, and we act like, oh, it's, it's the white skin color that drives racial discrimination. No, it's the abuse of power. And so w we've seen 
many examples of black people getting power and abusing it. I'll just cite you one example that I was intimately involved with, but there are plenty of examples of this. And I, I love when people are, oh, we don't have the power to discriminate and we can't do it because of our skin color. We just don't have power. That's all a lie. It's all a lie. I'm just gonna go Duke Lacrosse. And, and again, yes, that was a white district attorney, Mike Nifong, but he was pressured by Jesse Jackson and the entire Durham black community to bring charges against those white Duke lacrosse players on the word of two black strippers slash prostitutes. That, that was an abuse of power based in racial idolatry or whatever. But, but it's the exact same thing. When you have numbers and power and leverage and people are watching this play out in their work environment all across America, because George Floyd, people have abused power that they've gained from guilty feelings over George Floyd. And they've used that power to elevate themselves and diminish others. This is about power and how to properly handle power. And we've all been tricked by corporate media and by Marxists and by the identity politics people. Oh, no, 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 the, the, it's the gender that explains everything. It's the race that explains everything. No, it's unchecked power that explains everything. You go read these Lizzo stories and tell me how they're any different from an episode of Mad Men. And so if women attain ultimate power and we go from patriarchy to matriarchy, they're going to be abusive. I will contend they're gonna be more abusive because they're emotional and, and, and just, they're just different. They're going to be more abusive. And when you read these stories, Lizzo forcing some woman uh, to touch or to, to touch some naked woman at a strip club or whatever, forcing, pressuring, all, all, all the shenanigans that allegedly only men do. Lizzo and her group of female entourage employees, many of them black, doing the exact same thing. <laughs> the exact same thing. <clears throat> Quit apologizing for being a man. Quit buying the lie that we owe reparations to women. We don't. What we owe women and mankind and our children and everybody is obedience to God. That will improve things. Taking on some sacred honor and some vows and commitments to each other to do the right thing and not abuse our power, not abuse our wealth and celebrity. You got a bunch, again, a bunch of fat black women, and yes, I'm fat, but a bunch of fat black women running roughshod over other women. Mad women, mad fat women. Fat women are really mad. They're, they're, you don't hear about a lot of jolly fat women. You'll hear about some jolly fat men. I'm one of them. <laughs>
being fat in a woman is one of the roughest things you can endure. Not the, I'm not saying that it's easy being a fat man, but it ain't, whew, I would hate to be Lizzo. <laughs> I would, I'd be mad too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, TJ, Liz Wheeler's gonna join us here in a second. TJ, uh, your thoughts on mad women, fat mad women. Love your point, and it's, it is biblical, it's scriptural, um, and it can happen to even those of us that are most in lockstep with God the second we step out. This happened to, to King David. A man after God's own heart got too much power, committed murder, and then adultery. Like, it'll happen to anybody. It's a, go read 2 Samuel. And so, <clears throat> and, and I think God's, you know, he said it that way partially to teach us a lesson. Like, look at David. I have told you, I've never said this about anybody else. This is a man after my own heart. And then look what he fell into when he strayed away because he got too much power and he decided his morals were now negotiable. And it's got nothing to do with men or women. I mean, literally, a man after God's own heart can slip into it. Literally any person can do it after that. And so I, I just, you know, sort of what you've told me before, that's something that you struggle with. This is one of the few things that we got from... Uh, Mike Todd, that was a positive, where he said, sometimes you get so much money, you don't need God anymore. What are you praying for? I can just pay for it. I can pay for good health. And I can pay for, you know. What you can I, fool yourself into thinking that, yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I can pay to keep myself out of jail, right? I can pay off these cops. I, can, I got so much money, I don't have to follow the rules anymore. Um, and so, you know, 100% buy into what you're saying. That the one other thing that I would add is just to give some accountability to these employees. If you're working for someone who is open about their depravity, why are you surprised when that depravity shows up in their personal life? It's like, listen to what she raps about all day, every day. Listen to, to the things. things about it, yeah. It, I, I just don't understand her, I was going They bought the lie that Oh, Snoop Dogg raps about all this gang stuff and drugs and killing and screwing women, but that's fantasy world. That's not really who he is. He has none of those characteristics. That's that fantasy world. Well, yeah, she sings about that because that's what sells, but really, she's a strong, sympathetic woman of empowerment and, you know, a great, you know, she's Cleopatra. Uh, just smothered in gravy. Yeah, it's, it's so backwards, that this idea that you will put your depravity out front and let people know that's who you are, particularly when it comes to artists. You know, they love to tell you, like, you know, it's my experience and it comes out in my art. And you're like, so you want me to believe that's all fake and none of it's true. But you'll never tell me that because you have to say it's authentic and this is yours and you wrote it. I, I just, there should be some accountability to these people who decided to get in bed with her. Should be, but, and you're right, because the mo when I saw Lizzo show up at a Lakers game courtside with a G-string up her rear end and her butt cheeks out, <laughs> the normal conclusion anybody would reach is like, oh, she's got a mental health problem. Yes. And, I mean, she does. She has a mental health problem. It, it, it's avoid at all costs, but again... The check's good, the celebrity's good. These women, not these dancers, not as fat as Lizzo, but they're overweight as well. Yeah. And so they're not getting opportunity. Beyonce's not hiring them. They can dance, but Beyonce doesn't use fat dancers. 
uh, most artists don't. Lizzo's built her whole thing. I mean, Lizzo's whole persona is based on obesity and death. Didn't she say she's the most beautiful woman? She's the standard of beauty. That's what she said. This was about a month ago, a month or two ago. She's the standard. 400 pound woman, she is. Yeah, well, she's, she's a very beautiful 400 pound woman. It, it takes a lot of extra midget. lumber to, to build these stages. <laughs> it, with everybody jumping around and dancing. Each yeah. whale's up yeah. there. Yeah. Make them out of steel. Wood won't do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to bring, before we get too sexist with this whole thing, we're going to bring in Liz Wheeler and let her set me and TJ straight. Before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about our great friends at Preborn. You guys know about our mentality here at Fearless. Life begins at conception. No organization supports that worldview uh, more than Preborn. We support Preborn because it's part of our mission as a fearless army and as fearless soldiers to understand that life begins at conception and we need to support life in the womb. That's what Preborn does. They provide ultrasounds for expectant mothers who are considering abortion. Show that baby, show that mother uh, the baby in the womb, reveal that heartbeat. Women then more are far more likely to choose life and to keep that baby. That's when preborn really steps in and starts supporting that expected mother with diapers and just everything she needs to get through pregnancy and the first two years of that baby's life. Your money, whatever it is you donate, $5, $5,000, $20,000, whatever it is, it goes to ultrasounds and supporting that mother. It does. It's not wasted on mid-level executives and exorbitant salaries. You guys know I brought Dan Steiner on this show. He's the real deal. This organization is the real deal. It's why we support it so passionately. All you have to do is hit pound 250 on your phone, say the keyword baby, pound 250, keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. I like to do it that way. Uh, when you do, email me and us and let me know, fearlessplayshow at gmail.com. Uh, Liz Wheeler. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Really, really appreciative of uh, Liz, Liz Wheeler bailing us out today. TJ and I talking about Lizzo. And I, I just, I, I wanna open up the conversation, get a woman's point of view. Maybe I'm just a sexist, stupid pig. Uh, so really appreciate Liz Wheeler uh, bailing us out here and joining us today. And also wanna talk with Liz about Andrew Tate. She's been in a bit of a back and forth with Andrew Tate. He's blocked her on social media. Liz, thank you so much for making the time. I, I wanna start you out by telling you my take on Lizzo. Uh, if, if you followed that story. I'm wondering if you've ever seen the television show Mad Men. I started there because when I read this story about what Lizzo was doing in her work environment, the way she ran her crew, I'm like, I'm just reading the story about mad women. That here's a woman in power <laughs> that's built an organization of other women. They're sexually uh, exploiting their subordinates. They've got all kinds of chaos and debauchery going on and depravity going on and accusations of racism towards the black dancers and these accusations, I, I, best of my reading, these are black people being racially discriminatory towards black dancers. And it just makes me say, we think men are the problem and the problem actually is unchecked power. 
an abuse of power and an abuse of power and that it's not really tied to a gender. It's about who's in power and who is willing to be obedient to God and, and, and operate in that lane or who's just going to give into their power and take advantage of people. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head when you say who's going to be obedient to God. It's not like one sex, male or female, is more prone to sin than the other. It's not like one is the problem and the other is not. We are all fallen. So in positions of power, yes, when there isn't the accountability that we all need, any person, male or female, is prone to this. I mean, Jason, when I was reading about this story with Lizzo, First of all, I wish I didn't even have to hear about this sicko stuff that she's into, what they were doing in that sex club in Amsterdam, what she was forcing her employees to, the sexual acts she was forcing her employees to perform. Like, who even does this? It's so perverted. It's so sick. I wish I didn't even have to hear about it. Um, there is, of course, a little bit of irony in the fact that she was bullying one of her dancers for gaining weight and then fired this dancer for gaining weight. I've been very critical in the past of Lizzo because Lizzo is morbidly obese. And I say this knowing that it's a controversial statement, not because I view Lizzo as having any less dignity or value in the eyes of God because of her weight. Of course I don't. She's equal to everyone. But because she's propagating a really harmful notion, she calls it body positivity, but she's propagating this notion that morbid obesity is healthy. And this is the same sort of attack on objective truth, on reality, as it is if you were to tell a man that he can be a woman. It's simply not true. It's false. And it's I, I've criticized her for glorifying her obesity because it's leading people towards diabetes and heart disease and early death, and it's leading them away from reality. So there's a little bit of irony in the fact that Lizzo's fans have accused me before of bullying her for her weight when it turns out that Lizzo's the bully all along. Liz, I made the point earlier, and it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable truth, but I think it's real. And if we lived in reality, and if public figures talked realistically, I can remember the moment Lizzo showed up at a Lakers game courtside with a G-string up her rear end and her butt cheeks out. This is at a NBA basketball game courtside. And I said at that time, and I say it again, like, this woman is mentally ill. This is a mental illness. And I'm someone that has struggled with my weight, but, but I don't live in denial of like, I'm not trying to convince anybody, hey, this is good, this is a good thing, and this is healthy, and I need to have my butt cheeks and flab out in public in an arena sitting courtside. I honestly believe Lizzo is mentally ill, and, and we're doing her a disservice by not talking about her being mentally ill, and she needs help. Well, 100%. I mean, the reason that I compare this to the transgender ideology is I believe this these accusations of fat phobia, if you if you make a factual observation that someone is morbidly obese or you accurately note that morbid obesity is a serious health risk. I mean, you go into emergency rooms today and they're busy and overcrowded because of obesity-related emergencies. This is, a, this is not just a, a, a risk and a dangerous situation for the individual. This is something that poses a huge, a huge problem for our healthcare system as a whole. But the reason that I compare this to the transgender ideology is I think that this is the next 
uh, battlefront over reality. First, we were just we were just sold moral relativism that your truth or my truth is more important than the truth. Then we were told that men can be women and women can be men. And now we're told that being fat is healthy and you know totally normal. And the reason they're doing this is because any political official, even if you're any political official who has the power to redefine words becomes the arbiter of truth. If you're the arbiter of truth, then you're just an authoritarian. So I think that this is even even more ideological than it is just one woman with a case of mental illness. I, I, I'm wondering, I, I'm wondering how bad this must have gotten for it to not be settled before hitting the news because I do think this is going to really damage Lizzo's brand and, and, and maybe it couldn't be settled because perhaps these dancers want more money than what Lizzo uh, is willing to pay uh, without it going public, but, but I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just shocked that it, it got to this point where it spills out into the news, and I do think this is gonna really, I don't know if it's gonna bud light Lizzo, but it is gonna do some damage to Lizzo. In a sense, you would hope so. I hate to ever hope that someone faces economic demise. So that's not exactly what I'm advocating for. But Lizzo's incredibly influential. She's she's famous. I criticize Lizzo for the same reason that I criticize Andrew Tate, because so many young people follow them, because so many young people listen to them. They are helping form the minds of the next generation. It's important to engage with the ideas that they are presenting. The ideas that Lizzo is presenting to young people are very dangerous. It's exhibitionism. It's weird sexual fetishes. It's rejection of objective truth and its glorification of obesity. Of course, I'm going to tell young people, wait a second, does this seem like common sense to you? Does this seem like something that you believe is true? Or are you just worried of being called a name of being insulted if you actually speak the truth? And I want to empower young people. doesn't matter if you're insulted. Insulting, insulting someone's just a tactic to try to silence them. If you are not actually fat phobic, then who cares if someone calls you fat phobic? Speak the truth. Actually, fat phobia is a good thing. And <laughs> that shaming, bring it back. I hope, I hope that everyone develops that. You, you've given me the great transition mentioning Andrew Tate. I want to play a clip from Candace Owens' interview where he was asked about you and Ali Best Stuckey. He tried to pretend like, you know, he wasn't aware of who you were or didn't care what you had to say. But let's play the clip and then I want your reaction. Because I will say, I some of the people that have been going after you, Liz Wheeler, obviously has been one of them. Um, Liz Wheeler has been one of them. I think you Who? blocked her. <laughs> um, Ali Stuckey has talked a lot about it. I know these young women. They're not a part of the matrix, okay? I have a lot of disagreements with them. Stylistically, we have disagreements. Ali a, is a, means what she says. Even if I disagree with her point, I know she means what she said. It's not an act for her. She's not trying to do anything. She says it because she believes it. I've known her for years. She's actually been very good to me when people were very, the, the, the guard of conservatism. Allie had me on her show. She had a platform for me. Liz genuinely believes everything that she's saying. I don't think she's a part of the matrix, even if I think that there are some pieces of it of your life and why people gravitate towards you that she doesn't fully understand. And maybe she never will understand it. But they, to me, are not a part of the matrix. Okay, so... So let's talk about what the matrix is sure. and what the matrix isn't. Sure, let's talk about the matrix. Before we, that, before we do that, let's talk about this recent conservative attack. I want to make it clear that I don't watch basically any of the attack videos made on me. I'm, I'm busy 
and I'm very happy with my life and I don't allow attacks on my psyche. If somebody makes a video that attacks me, I don't watch it. I don't watch it because I don't want to watch it because I don't care. I don't watch them either. I don't care. And I don't say this to insult Liz or anyone else. I don't know them enough or respect them enough to give a what they made or what they say. I don't care. So I can't talk about the specifics of what she said because I don't know what she said because I didn't watch it. However, I don't believe it was well-intentioned. I think that there is certainly a degree of jealousy that came with my massive influence and the number of views I got on the Tucker Carlson show. I think that the fact that 10-year-old videos, which have been debunked 30 times, are now coming up again is not well-intentioned at all. But I can't be entirely entirely sure of that. So I can't comment specifically on their attacks because I haven't watched their attacks. I don't. I think they're seeing those videos for the first time. That's why I said I'm trying to bridge the gap between I only knew about those videos for a long time because I've been paying attention to to your UK career. I don't believe these people have been. I think the first time they were introduced to you was on Tucker Carlson's interview. So I want to start here. Are, Are you uninformed about Andrew Tate? And is that why you're attacking him? Or is there a deeper reason? No, I, I'm familiar with Andrew Tate. As Candace said, she didn't she didn't ask before she made that. She was speculating. I love Candace. So my my beef here is, is certainly not with Candace. My beef is with what Andrew Tate is influencing young men to do. Um, I found that clip to be quite funny. I'd seen that when Candace aired that. Um, I found it funny. First of all, this is maybe not even a political reason, but I thought it was funny when he said, who? Who? At my name, it reminded me of that tactic. I don't know if you've seen people do this where they deliberately um, forget someone's name. They're like, oh, hi, Arthur Tate, Anthony Tate, just to, to purposely try to throw someone off. So that actually made me laugh my head off when I saw him do that. Um, just good humor. I think we can all we can all agree here. But the real issue here is and this is what I this is what I said on my show about this is he's clearly lying because he retweeted a video done by a man named Mike Crispy that was responding to my to my tweet to my video. He responded to my tweet himself directly. His brother quote tweeted the video to say that it was false. So he's clearly lying about never having watched this and not knowing who I am. And he's welcome to lie all he wants. But what it should leave in our minds is the question, if he's lying about this, what else is he lying about? It, it destroys his credibility from the outset. My factual observations about Andrew Tate have always been that he accurately diagnoses the cultural ill, that our society vilifies men, and that's bad. We both agree on that. But his prescription or his antidote to that is destructive to young men. He leads them instead towards materialism, pornography, exploitation of women, and worship of self. And one of the arguments that he makes in defense of himself is that this so-called webcam business that he ran years ago um, that he doesn't do that anymore. This was from his past. He's different now. But the thing is, Jason, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in redemption. I believe in forgiveness. But he said in this video that he has nothing to apologize for, that he's not sorry for this, that he doesn't think it was that bad and that he didn't hurt anyone. This is a pornography business that he was running. So I challenge young men. I, I fully understand why they're drawn to him. He's a magnetic personality. He's charismatic. He's courageous enough to accurately diagnose this cultural ill that a lot of people won't talk about. Of course, he's going to have a following based on that. That's what makes him so dangerous because he is um, he is so magnetic about these, about these controversial topics. But I challenge young men to really listen to what he says. He hasn't disavowed his participation. He brags about getting rich from his pornography business. $600,000 a month he was making off of pimping girls. 
this is destructive to young men and he's not sorry. So I cannot disassociate what he's doing now with what he has done because he stands by it. Not trying to drag you where I am, but I'm just asking and expressing the thought. I, when we talked about this yesterday, I, I, I reached the conclusion and I've been down pretty deep in the Andrew Tate rabbit hole trying to figure him out because I'm too old to have fully understood him a year ago and, and so I'm just, I'm playing catch up. But, but having watched his interview with Tucker, having watched his interview with Candace, I reached the conclusion and, and other things that I've watched because I've seen your videos, I've seen this Milk Bar TV, we did a Twitter Spaces a week or two ago with couple guys from, I think one of them was from Australia, that they've done a lot of research on Andrew Tate. And my conclusion is that virtually every time Andrew Tate opens his mouth, he's lying. Virtually everything he says is a lie and it's all part of a sales package. He is a charismatic salesperson. And, and I've said this and everybody knows, I'm a Tucker Carlson groupie. I refuse to go back on Fox News since they fired Tucker. But I'm disappointed with Tucker's interview of Andrew Tate. I like Candace Owens. I'm disappointed with these interviews, uh, with, with her interview of Andrew Tate, because I thought there was way too much co-signing of things that were obviously detrimental and dangerous. And so I feel like Andrew Tate, this is where I'll leave the question with you, He's putting on an incredible PR campaign through conservative media outlets. And, and I think it's important that people like yourself, Ali Bestucky, and on this show that, no, uh, it's great that he says the right things about some things. But overall, this guy is a net negative, no question about it. 100%. You're exactly right to identify that he's essentially a con artist, that he provides what I would describe as a bait and switch. It's a get rich quick scheme. He tells young men, he empathizes with their grievances to get them to sign up for his paid program so that he can teach them how to be who he is, this top G. It's it's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous thing. Listen, I had one interesting observation about the interview that he did with Candace Owens as well. And I, I'm not here to try to get inside Tucker Carlson's mind, to try to get inside Candace Owens's mind. I don't know why either of them conducted the interviews the way that they did. I like and respect both of them. As I said, my focus is, is my critique of Andrew Tate here, although I do think Andrew Tate is emblematic of a bigger problem in the Republican Party. But something that he articulated in this interview was that Whatever he has done in his past that was immoral was justified because he came from a hard knock background. And Candace actually said, compared him to Jay-Z slinging cocaine and saying, well, he doesn't do that anymore. He did that when he, when, he, when, he, when he did what he had to do. And Jason, I reject this. I think this is 100% moral relativism. Something that is wrong is objectively wrong, regardless of your economic background, regardless of whether you come from a broken family. You're not justified, for example, assaulting someone just because your parents were never married or your parents are divorced or because you are poor before you were rich. Of course not. There's objective right and objective wrong. And I think not only is this moral relativism, I think the idea that it's 
okay, let's just shrug this off, brush it under the rug, because it happened because you came from a bad background, is a repudiation of the American dream. Do we believe that there's upward mobility, that someone who comes from a hard circumstance can be successful through their own honesty, integrity, and hard work? Or are we rejecting that idea? And it seems to me that Andrew Tate rejects that idea, which is very dangerous, also dangerous uh, message for young men. Liz, you're knocking it out of the park. Thank you so much for, for making the time. Uh, you're doing awesome work. Lo love that you, you supported us today. Thank you so much. TJ, I'm gonna make a final comment because I don't want to drag Liz into my final comment, but I want to piggyback off of her final comment, this moral relativism and, and what the message is. And, and this is my issue with, with Candace Owens. Just a lot of her brand is Black Lives Matter attack. And so if you follow her logic through, well, Andrew Tate did this because he grew up poor and he had a tough background. That's the same mentality that says, you know, these Black Lives Matter kids that are out looting and uh, doing all this chaos and rioting and stuff, well, they're doing it because they're poor and they come from a rough background. You can't, they're just doing what they have to do. This is the same mentality, it's the same logic. It's not consistent with your entire brand and it, it's, it's so obvious that it just needs to be called out and pushed back in real time. And I like Candace Owens. I'm a groupie for Tucker Carlson, too. I mean, anybody that will say, oh, I'm not going on Fox News, you fired Tucker Carlson. Everybody knows where I stand. These interviews are disappointing. That's an excellent point, and that's where politics will get you. If somebody ends up near your political side, you'll make excuses for what they've done. If they're on the opposite side, then you'll point out that everything they've done is horrible. And that's, that is why my hope, and this is some of what we talked about yesterday, is that she grows in her Christian walk, because this is, this is ultimately what Liz and Ali Beth and Lauren Chen have been doing. And this is why conservatives have all this infighting. There, there's a Christian segment that I think, I hope is growing in the conservative side that's doesn't match up our actions to conservative ideals because conservative ideals are worthless. They match them up to the Christian ideals. And they say, Andrew Tate's a problem. He's equally the same problem on the other side of the coin as these feminists. He, this red pill world, it's destructive, equally destructive. So they think, why are conservatives attacking me? And these people, they're just jealous of me. It's like, no, they have real legitimate Christian ideals and they're holding you to a standard that you wouldn't dream of holding yourself to, Andrew Tate. And so Liz Wheeler has that standard. Ali Bastucki has that standard. We heard Lauren Chen in our Twitter spaces. They have that standard. And they're trying to hold him to that instead of the gospel of Andrew Tate. Uh, Steve Kim, everybody's favorite part of the show. He's just around the corner. Next. All right, welcome back. Time for some Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell, joining us live from Los Angeles. Steve, happy Thursday to you. Uh, do you have any thoughts here on uh, mad fat women, Lizzo? I, you know, I don't. TJ didn't watch Mad Men. I'm not sure if Liz Wheeler watched Mad Men. Have you ever seen the show Mad Men 
And, and I think we're just looking at a female version of the show Mad Men, Mad Fat Women. Yeah, I, I'm not, I was not a regular uh, viewer, but I certainly know about this show. I, I read some details about that. Um, the most interesting thing about that story is that Lizzo was kind of fat shaming her dancers. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, some of them look like they could be zero tech and hold that gap like Joel Steed or Casey Hampton. I mean, shout out to the Steelers. Expect a good year from you guys. But, I mean, honestly, if you put them on a front four, I mean, you you would stop the run pretty well. But for her to say anything about anyone else's weight, isn't that the pot calling the kettle fat? But all that other stuff, all the other gory details, I mean, I'm, I'm look, I'm glad they got to the potassium. May, they may want to mix in a uh, treadmill session. But what a sick, sick world that they live in that entertainment business. Wow, just sick, disgusting. You know, TJ made that point at the top of the show in terms of like, she makes music that's sexually provocative. She runs around as if she's a 400 pound sex symbol with as little clothes on as possible. And, and, and I said it to Liz, I said it to TJ. Lizzo has a mental illness, and mm-hmm. I don't think any of us should be shocked that she maintained a work environment that was completely immoral, improper, and unprofessional. She's mentally ill. She's running around trying to justify being 375 pounds. Yeah, I've always gotten the sense in looking at Lizzo that she tries to portray or put on a front that she's very happy. That What's that say, saying? Living my best life. And I just wonder though, and again, I'm not in her head, it's like, how happy is she? She, and this is where I don't feel sorry for her. She serves up punchlines like home buffet at lunch. I mean, she just gives it to us. And I don't wanna be mean spirited. I don't really spend a lot of time talking about her. But when I when I saw this gory story, and it, it was gory in a lot of ways, because my perverted mind actually thought about how did this scenario look? I'd be ashamed of myself for even thinking about it. And I had to take a cold shower. <laughs> but I just I'm looking, I mean, no, think about it. Like, could you imagine her telling her intern, or I guess she has assistants, uh, yeah, I need a batch of bananas. Bananas, uh, okay, how many? by every single Chiquita in the store. Really? Yes. And could you imagine this poor assistant bringing home these like 10 bags of bananas? Just think about that. So you're on the road, you're doing whatever, you go to the hotel room and everyone's kind of looking at you, walking through the lobby going, a lot of bananas there. And could you imagine that poor assistant walking in on that debauchery? Oh my God. Talk about a banana split, right? But anyway, yeah, Uh, none of this surprises me. No, because if you're doing that stuff on stage and doing that in public everywhere you go, what do you think's going on in private? It's it's an excellent Ugh. point. Ugh. I, I it, what what boggles my mind is I don't I wonder if people are going to just talk about how like sick this is and I, I, and and literally I, I'm not. This is Harvey Weinstein-esque. This is, I can't say it's the exact same, but Harvey Weinstein's probably reading this story and going, man, 
I was I was a lot better to work for than Lizzo. Uh, you know, I, I, and again, I don't know all the details on Harvey Weinstein. Maybe I've I, I've missed out, and, and there's stuff as depraved as what's described here. But but again, this is frat house, drunken frat house behavior and depravity coming from a woman. And, and, and who's supported by a group of people that are all wagging their fingers at everybody else. Don't you fat shame and Yas Queen and black girl magic and all this other garbage. And, and, and this icon of all of that is mentally ill, depraved and abusive, needs help rather than worship, adulation, and celebration, but but she's not going to get it, and everybody's going to, oh, Whitlock and Steve Kim and T.J. Moe and Liz, they're all mean-spirited, and, you know, you need to be more sensitive to Lizzo. She may commit suicide, and you, you got to be careful. Don't say anything hard because she's probably depressed. She's depressed because we've been lying to her. Mm. She treadmills, stairmasters, and salads. We should be feeding her that, not lies. So, uh, I, this story was like the least surprising thing I've ever seen. This was my assumption about how these people act. So I can't even believe there's a lawsuit over it, really, because I just think when you show up to this, part of this is just based on stories you've told me about living out in L.A. and what these people do and what, what you have to avoid. I'm like... I'm, I'm, I'll say this. If her name was Suge Knight, there would not be a lawsuit yeah. because it would be backed by death in terms of, you know, oh, we will take you out. But but we're going to see a lot of this. And that's my overall point in terms of you're going to empower women and they're going to empower these liberal women who have no morals. And you're going to see a lot of this women behaving worse than men, or it's certainly just as bad. And then we're gonna see a lot of lawsuits because of it, because again, with a Suge Knight and guys like that, they kill you so that everything gets kept quiet. Isn't this the logical end to sexual liberation? Like all the stuff that she's, you know, right. Sexual liberation, this was the, what, 1970s, 1980s, happening at the same time as the Gloria Steinman women need men like fish need a bicycle. So eventually, you're going to have sexual perversion with other women. That's the logical end. So all the stuff you're seeing here seems so obvious to me, and everybody's stunned. How could you possibly make them touch the breast of another woman? I'm like, I just figured that's what they did. This is a depraved group of people. They sing about promiscuity all the time. I'm the one who's told every day that there's no difference at all between men and women, and why can't you be with a woman? And it's like, I, I don't understand the uproar. Just knowing the depravity, it's crazy to me. I don't want to be a part of it. You all signed up to be on the stage with this woman. It, you know what I just thought of, Steve? Well, let's see if this will tee you up for another joke. <laughs> she, she's Fat R. Kelly. Uh, <laughs> she, I mean, oh. this is standard operating procedure, this kind of depravity in the music industry. She's Fat R. Kelly. Mm. In a way, she don't see right. nothing wrong with a little bump and grind, Steve. Right, and obviously uh, that's this is no longer kept on the down low. Although, although <laughs> it seems as though those backup dancers were of age. It's a little bit different, and there's no urine splashing on anybody. 
uh, with the, uh, against their will. So it's a little bit different. So I'm not so sure we want to piss on you. Remember that the old Dave Chappelle no. thing? Uh, yeah. Well, hold on, Steve. Hold on. You may have missed it in the story. One of the fat women said that Lizzo put them through a workout or some routine and they couldn't pee and she had to take her panties off so she wouldn't soil her pants. So there was pee a part of this story. So uh, <laughs> Dave, right, there's a lot of material here for Dave Chappelle. Mm. Uh, yeah, a little too much info there. Uh, Jason, here's the other part. <laughs> and I, I retweeted someone on Twitter. So this is not my thought, but it, it, it's so illuminating here. So do we believe all women? Right? Because if this was Harvey Weinstein, this would already be a conviction. So, And by the way, which women do we believe? But again, if, if we are going to do the believe all women, well, does that standard apply now? That's my question in relationship to this disgusting debauchery. I, I don't know if I have it, if I can find it again. But someone who used to work with Lizzo has gone on the record, and again, she, this woman's not a part of the lawsuit, but she's gone on the record, I saw it over Twitter, where, where she said, like, yeah, none of this surprises me. This is standard operating procedure uh, with Lizzo and her group. And so I, I think these women are going to be believed. I don't think they're making this up or exaggerating. Yeah. I, you know, this I, is 100%. Go ahead, Steve. Well, no, I just want to say, I, you know, I long for the wholesome days. You know, at least with Rick James, it was just cocaine and orgies. I mean, really. Do we have no limits? Do we have no standards anymore? Anyway, go ahead, TJ. Don't we think this is, this is 100% our fault? You sort of mentioned this, Jason, but it's like, okay, you, you, you've been overweight most of your life. So if somebody... That really hurts to hear you say that. I like it much better when I say that, TJ. I mean, my God. <laughs> if somebody started coming at you, it's like when you were, when you were 20 years old at Ball State, people yeah. said, Whitlock. You, you need to be 300 pounds. Let's go here. I need you moving some bodies. That was a good thing. It made sense. You got to be. And then, well, my coaches would disagree. They wanted me around 275. 275. All right. 275. <laughs> so at some point, we've, we've created this monster placating her and telling her, you are the standard of beauty. And if you tell us otherwise, you're crazy. Like, how do you, don't you as, as someone, again, you Say you're third. What's that? How old were you in that ESPN picture that you show us every once in a while where you look like you might be? Eight Justin, find that picture. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes me laugh and cry at the same time. Uh, that had to be 15 years ago, if, if you can find that. You're 40. Yeah. 40 years old. And if I walked up to you and told you you were perfect just the way you are, everyone, <sighs> every mm -hmm. person, should aspire to be this Jason Whitlock on the screen. You're the standard of beauty. Do you know what? I do kind of look like Lizzo there. That, that, I mean, that looks like Lizzo in a baseball hat and sunglasses going incognito. It, I mean, it would be impossible for a logical person to believe that. Like, you, you, you look in the mirror and you'd be like, nah, I ain't the standard of beauty. I just, you know, I need a salad. What sort of, this goes to your mental illness point. What sort of mental illness do you have to be under? to believe these lies, for her to get where she is today and actually believe I'll say, for me, it, it took a lot of alcohol and so <laughs> to believe the lies, so back in those days. So maybe she was drinking back then, or drinking now. Who knows? Who, alcohol, they've paid her a bunch of money. In Lizzo's mind, she's like a football player 
hey, I, I know the consequences of playing football, and I'm good with it. They're paying me enough money. It. Excuse me? You don't think she believes it? Well, of course she doesn't believe it. I think some of these people, if she's really got this mental illness, I think she's been convinced at this point. that. Oh, I, trust me. I'm an expert. You're on not fat black women. Ill. I know, but on, on the delusion <laughs> of fat black women and, and how, how they put on all the skin tight clothes and oh. yoga pants or whatever, they know the truth. Mm. They, they're just selling the lie. And, and you know, God, I, I could get in trouble for it, but it's just the truth. One of the reasons why black women are so comfortable being obese and putting on uh, yoga pants and th- clothes that are four sizes too small. There's such a large dating pool of black men that have been incarcerated who, once you've sat in a prison for five years and been having sex with men, uh, and then you come out, obese fat women actually look pretty good to you. And, you're, and so th- they have a larger dating pool to pick from, and so, but, but, but they're, they're not, they're, they know there's a problem. They're, they're, they, 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 they know there's a problem, they just know they can get away with it. And no different than, you know, men have been, men of wealth have been getting away with, we don't have to look like Andrew Tate to have success. Oh, I got a great job, I'm popular, I make money, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and literally, like, black women, because Men have been so emasculated and degraded, and, and we don't hold women to much of a standard. They can get away with, oh, I, yeah, I, I ain't worried about keeping in shape. Celibate the rest of eternity, well past my death, <laughs> heaven and eternity, that ever touch life. That's easy. To, you ain't spent five years on Rikers Island, TJ. But, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't touch Lizzo with a 500-foot pole. You might, if you spent five years in Rikers, you might come out with a different point of view on that. Now, I, I'm halfway joking, but I'm also <laughs> dead serious. I'm dead. <laughs> Again, there's a re- kids, if you're watching, young boys, there's a reason why you don't want to go to jail. And I know the rappers make it all look fun, and it's a rite of passage, and Sodomy, be more right respected uh, when you come out. None of it's true. Oof. None of it's true. It's going to warp your mind and warp your standards, and and it's going to widen your exit hole. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> just keep it oh, real. <laughs> uh, Steve, are you ready to move on, or you got yeah, another yeah, thing I, you want to say? No, here? I've been writing. I've been writing. We should move on. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that, Steve. Uh, the New York Times uh, came out with an interesting story about ESPN and how it went from the financial engine for Disney to now it's Disney's financial problem. ESPN still turns a profit in the billions of dollars, but with cord cutting and just the way things are going, and and ESPN is now looking for some type of partner. Partnership perhaps with the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, Steve, I'm old enough, and, and you're almost old enough to remember when pretend and legitimate journalism institutions 
would never think about, hey, we're going to go in partnership. The Kansas City Star is going to go in partnership with the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's how desperate things are right now for ESPN and Disney. They're going to crawl all the way into bed, perhaps, with the NFL or NBA, or maybe all of them. And, and it actually might be better if they were that transparent and that honest because they already are in partnership with them in reality. And that's why the journalism on these organizations and, and leagues is so weak. The ESPN is, is a mouthpiece for its business partners, the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. Yeah, there's certainly a case for that. But again, this is the Titanic, and they have now hit the iceberg, and now they're looking for lifeboats or a big lifeboat. And I'm not so sure you can rescue this brand because a couple of years ago they came out, I believe it was Jimmy Pataro said, you know, we're going to sway away from politics and the other stuff. Let's go back to sports. And they seem to do that for a little bit. But when they start having these days where everything is female and that's what we're going to focus in on, you're not giving the sports fans what they want. And I think they have an issue now, Jason, when their numbers started to decline from their apex, it was very legitimate to say it was the changing media landscape in terms of cord cutting. Now I believe that they've become so toxic in their thought process and their philosophy and their politics and their social justice stances that a good deal of America, especially in the flyover states, have now found alternate forms of entertainment or have just kind of figured out this is not that important, but you will not be allowed to preach to me because, Jason, it is very, very simple now. We've talked about this to turn off the TV and go to a smart TV or just go to YouTube and go to content providers who are independent in thought that you like to watch. Uh, honestly, Jason, right now I'm in that season. I'm actually watching ESPN for about an hour a day because College Football Live is now back up and running. So from now till about late January, mid-January, I'll watch ESPN for their college football coverage, the live events, and boxing. They have a deal with Top Rank. Outside of that, Jason, I don't remember the last time I actually sat down for a full hour Sports Center or any of their other programming outside. And me and you watch it, Michael Irvin on Mondays with Stephen A. Smith. But outside of that, most of my other television viewing does not, uh, does not belong to ESPN. You got a thought, TJ? <clears throat> yeah, well, just a question for you, because this world doesn't, I don't know it as well, but why would the NFL need ESPN? Mm. <sighs> like they've got NFL.com, they have their own reporters, they have their own TV stuff. What, what's the, why jump onto a sinking? If your enemy's close, and, and it's not even that they're enemies, but just another mouthpiece to sell uh, NFL propaganda. But and, couldn't they just hire? That you could hire Schefter, right? You could hire. He used to employ Schefter. He left yeah. the NFL Network to go work at ESPN. I'm saying now that they're going to be at some point, ESPN is going to be sinking here, and you can just. And basically, th th what they're doing instead of just hiring Schefter, they're going to they potentially might just hire ESPN, and you know you get Schefter and everything. You and again, let, let's say you go into partnership with them. All these things are competitive, and so the NFL. It doesn't feel like it, but it's in competition with the NBA. And so that's part of what the ESPN is selling, the opportunity. You get in bed with us, you're going to get more favorable coverage than the NBA, Major League Baseball, any potential competitor out there. 
this could be really attractive to the NBA uh, because they've been struggling and, and feel like the, they could get the NBA and ESPN together could do better jobs of marketing the NBA than they can separately or, or with the kind of relationship they have now. And so I, I see the upside you know, to acquire or go in partnership with a brand that used to be really strong. It's, it's still decent. And, and so, but it's, it's what all these guys are doing and, and particularly ESPN doesn't have a solution for cord cutting and their solution for moving into the digital space is overpay for Pat McAfee and, and uh, sounds like they're going to get in bed with Shannon Sharp, who's got a good digital brand and YouTube following. Uh, there's a rumor out today, and I wanted to ask you, Steve, or yesterday, I think Mike McCarthy wrote about it, Front Office Sports, mm -hmm. that uh, ESPN's going to try to bring back Colin Cowherd, mm -hmm. who has a strong digital following and started this thing called The Valium. And so it, it's like these traditional television people have a lot less value to ESPN, and that's why they've been slashed. And that's why, and Steve, I'll pivot back to you, that's why I think we're seeing Stephen A. Smith work so desperately hard on his YouTube presence because yeah. he knows that's where the money and that's where the value actually is moving forward. That's also where the freedom is, the freedom of thought and the freedom of speech for the most part or more than ESPN. Uh, as for Colin Coward going back to Bristol for the four letter network, can you go home again? It's interesting. If he was a little bit younger, my advice, which you would never take, is go by yourself. Do the Colin Cowherd network. Seriously. Uh, but at his age, maybe he says he's got one more big contract. And if ESPN says, hey, we're going to write you a check in excess of eight figures. You know what? At that point, you're like, I'm done building a brand. People know my name. If you want me to help rescue you, I'll do it. But again, if he was a little bit younger, I would kind of do what a lot of other people are doing and saying, you know what? Let me be my own entity to have complete control. But again, that takes a lot of work because now you got to hire people, you got to have a support staff, and you got to run the ship. And that's not always easy. As for ESPN, so, those ho three. Hold on, Steve, yeah. though. Why wouldn't Cal Hurd look at a potential deal with ESPN the same way Joe Rogan looks at his deal with Spotify? And, and that's the kind would. of deal Cal would be trying to get. Yeah, but Joe Rogan's about one show a day. I, I personally, I think the, the power is in ownership, in my view. Okay. But again, there's ways to do it. He's got great choices because the money he'll be guaranteed, there is no wrong answer. And he's earned that. He's put in a lot of good work. But the three names that you mentioned uh, with Coward, Shannon Sharp, uh, Pat McAfee, you know what? I like the fact it's just three men. Three men. I kind of like that. It's not these, we're going to have a female voice, because I know the whole Doris Burke thing. I just like the fact they're going for strong male personalities. Move away from the Bomani Joneses and the Pablo Torres of the world. Let's just go for the, we don't have to agree with them all the time, but I think that alone is a step forward. Well, at some point, because women are having an impact on YouTube. And, and maybe not in the sports lane so far, but eventually that'll happen because it can be manufactured, even if it's not real, it can just be manufactured. And so, there, 
eventually, because you just said these things out loud, there's going to be pressure on ESPN to make it rain on some woman. And again, that may be part of the reason why they're making it rain on Doris Burke. You've just given me a new thought, why she's getting elevated to keep that special interest group inside ESPN at bay. Uh, you can't hide, and maybe they'll just get in bed with YouTube and they'll do it, but you can't hide the fact that Pat McAfee has 50,000 live viewers and mm -hmm. the top show led by a woman out there has you know, 500, right, for sports. It's like you're actually, it's ESPN and their ratings and all that, you know, it's on TV, it can be manufactured because people just turn on ESPN. YouTube's not like that. And you can see exactly who's tuning in, particularly the live, if you look at the live viewership. Got you, but, and I hate to go here because I don't know what I'm talking about, and, and, <clears throat> but I'm gonna go here. You'll know better than I do. Uh, if Andrew Tate could spend a bunch of money to make himself the most Googled person in the world, ESPN can spend a bunch of money to make Mina Kimes the most Googled woman in the world. Sure, but they can't make you stay interested after you know who she is and figure out that she's boring. Like Andrew Tate had a big enough personality to keep you there once you figured out who he was. You go into Mina Kimes and said, well, why do I care about her? And then you leave. If ESPN, Jimmy Patara, if you're watching, this woman doesn't promote the right message, but you can pay her probably to get on board with your messages. They may go after a pearl. <laughs> they got to be good at talking sports, though. That's the thing. I mean, it's she's the, a former athlete. Yeah, but look, women talking sports. I'm just the 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 <clears throat> the only person the. I, I've maintained this for a long time, and this goes into, you know, go ahead and call it a sexist pig, but it's like the one place that I think is a decent spot for a woman, and Tony Saragusa probably did it better than any of them, sideline reporter. I'm fine. You ask one or two questions that a coach is going to give you coach speak on the way to the locker room anyway, and I don't care. That's a good spot for you. They seem to not mind a woman being there. Outside of that, I don't want you on any panel. I certainly don't want you announcing my games. I don't want you leading a television show talking about it so that we all... <laughs> You don't want to hear Beth Mullins? <laughs> <laughs> I sent you that out of a zoo game last year. Luther Burden took a punt return, and that it was anyway, mortifying. I'm, yeah. I'm scarred from that. So I'm just there, there's very few places, and the audience knows this. They're not going to listen to Pearl talk about sports. They'll listen to Pearl talk about women, particularly the way she talks about women. If if Pearl on her YouTube channel right now started breaking down the NFL. She gotcha. less than a thousand viewers. No, no, but again, ESPN may pay someone to not talk about sports or to talk about. I'm shocked they haven't done this already because they've turned all these athletes into fashion models and everything walking into the arena and uh, stadiums is a fashion show. They, they're, they're runway models. I would. That's where they need female sideline reporters interviewing the guys as they walk into the stadium and treated like a red carpet and an Academy Awards show, I, I could see a woman doing a show, and there's so many feminized men, I think they would tune in, and women would tune in, to sit around and listen to them talk about the fashion of professional athletes. If there's an audience for that, God bless you. I, I just, I, you know, <clears throat> traditional sports, you, people are fine, and I don't understand the show, I don't like it, 
myself, Pat McAfee's Bro Session. People yeah. like it. 50,000 people watch that thing live on YouTube. It's the, it's the highest viewed show on YouTube with live viewers each week. It's up there. Tim Pool's right around that same 30, 40, 50,000. People like that. It's just a bunch of dudes sitting around talking about sports. They, you can li people will lie to you all day long and say it's not true, but both men and women would rather listen to men talk about sports than women. Steve, I'm going to yeah. give you the final show. We're ending the show. Send us to tomorrow, the whole deal. It's your show from here on out. Take as much time or as little time as you want. Well, I think uh, Pearl should just be Pearl. She has her own thing. Why would she want to water down and dilute her message and be censored by anybody? Money. She has creative, <laughs> editorial, and verbal control of what she says. And to TJ's point, I could not agree more. Can we be honest about it? Uh, when we are talking sports, no one ever says, hey, you know what? Let's get XYZ female's opinion and call them. We don't. We have to be not saying that we really don't respect their message. But let's be honest, most of us don't care about what they have to say. And that's okay. Because you know what's funny? If people say, Steve, I don't care what you have to say. And you know what? And that's absolutely fine. There's the freedom of speech. There's also the freedom to not give a damn about your speech. And I just think to me, when you, when you go out there and gerrymander these panels, and you're like, why is she there or he there? It just kind of dilutes and ruins the whole message. TJ, you, you are now Al Gore. You told the inconvenient truth. I am glad you are there to bring <laughs> levity and brevity to this situation. And thank you. You've been a great addition today to my show. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want